Oh boy, it's so exciting. I can't believe you're in LA, I'm in LA. We're both recording the podcast in person. It so rarely happens. I am Veronica. It's true. And I'm John. This is such a great, uh, great time. This is going to be a great episode. I am Veronica. Oh, are you do- oh, you're doing like a Groot thing? I am Veronica. Oh, okay. I, I get it. We're doing a little bit because this is the Guardians of the Galaxy episode. You're doing like an I am Veronica thing, like an I am Groot thing. That's fine. I'm, I'm Veronica. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's foaming at the mouth. This isn't a bit. Oh, my God. What's happening? She's having a seizure. (laughs) (laughs) Audience, say toot toot. It's the only thing that'll bring your back to life. Oh, boy. We blew out this mic. Toot toot. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm Veronica. I'm 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 Veronica. (laughs) Welcome to an in-person box office time machine. Wow. It's true. Where are we right now, Veronica? We're in your bedroom, John. We are. I, I meant more generally, but yes, I, I do record in my bedroom. But we are in California. California. It's true. For, uh, Here we go. <laughs> Anyway, great, great song. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Thank you, Phantom Planet. I uh, can't believe they came to introduce our show. I know. Yeah. You know, Jason Schwartzman was just there. Oh, it was exciting. Just drumming it up. Uh, but yeah, Veronica's in town uh, for a wedding, and we had the option of recording this episode very early or after we'd had dinner and drinks and hung out with people. Um, and we chose uh, the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, so this might be a bit of a tipsy uh, <laughs> podcast recording. <laughs> but that's fine. I feel like that might be more fun than us analyzing this movie sober. Well, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 starts with uh, uh, oh, that's Chris what Pratt, we're Star-Lord, uh, drunk, uh, belligerently drunk, so I think it's appropriate. That's true. He is like a Homer Simpson level of drunk at the beginning of that movie. <laughs> from that from that season where uh, Marge dies, but then uh, Marge from another timeline comes. Of but course. she doesn't love him because uh, in that version, she married the character John Lovett's voices. Yeah, season seven and a half. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. it was. <laughs> no, you could have gone for a recent season and people would have been like, maybe that was real. I don't know. I don't watch. Well, I still wanted to go for the good season. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because that storyline I said was truly classic Simpsons. It could be. What, shooting Mr. Burns is so fucking revolutionary? (laughs) This is as cool as that. It's all about the jokes. It doesn't matter the scenario. Hell yeah. It's it's a gag bucket. This is going to be an episode (laughs) of uh, Box Office Time Machine as funny 
as classic season seven Simpsons. Yes. That is our guarantee. But who are we to guarantee? I am John Bershad. (laughs) Oh, you broke the rhyme. Ah, yeah. I am Veronica Uroff Scott. (laughs) If you had said ski, if you had gone first, we would have had the rhyme still gone. Oh, that's true. But you, you know, you wanted to interfere there with your name. So, well, the moment is gone. I, I my desire to come first beats out my desire for uh, completing a rhyme scheme. Um, but this is Box Office Time Machine, the show where we talk about the number one movie of the box office, either from the current week or weekend weekend from the past uh, <laughs> I switched from week to weekend during that but it's fine this is a present week and we're talking about James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 the trilogy has been completed Veronica what's your history of with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, franchise both comics and movies uh, I saw the movies <laughs> End of history. (laughs) I saw the movies and I don't know that I ever really liked the movies. Really? Like, I I, I never hated the movies, but I was just like, this is fine. Like, when people compared it to Star Wars, I was like, yes. I'm as excited about this as I am about Star Wars. Wow, that is truly damning with faint (laughs) praise. And I'm going to join you on the damning with faint praise and say that this movie is the best Marvel movie recently. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, differently than Veronica, I really uh, enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, the only Guardians of the Galaxy thing I do not like is the terrible Guardians of the Galaxy reskin of Tower of Terror. Yes. Fucking abysmal. That's fucking why, abysmal. That's why I will forever not like this franchise, I think, is because they reskin Tower of Terror for it. They ruined one of the greatest of all time Disney Park rides, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, and made it Guardians of the Galaxy themed in the laziest reskin, which also ruins the tension of it. It's entirely possible, folks, that this podcast might become entirely about that ride. <laughs> At some point, I, I am feeling more passionate about that more uh, right now. But 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 that's not fair. I actually really I really do enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, I enjoy to a great extent, the superhero movies of one Mr. James Gunn. Um, in fact, as much as I like the Guardians movies, I think The Suicide Squad from two years ago or last year. Oh, fuck. COVID era. <laughs> Suicide Squad. Time flies when you're having gun James Gunn movies, that is. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Just see yourself out. <laughs> I live here. Out. Um, uh, but, um, I loved, uh, the Suicide Squad and similar from that movie to the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I think he is excellent at both writing funny scenes, writing, um, full character arcs, uh, all these things that should be in every story, but, uh, in superhero movies frequently, uh, are missing. Um, he does all those things and he comes up with a, a solid theme that gets explored in a great way. Um, the Suicide Squad has that wonderful moment at the end of the movie where uh, we get that flashback 
to um, uh, uh, Waititi's character where he says the the moral of the movie as the heroes fight. And it's it should be cheesy, but James Gunn threads the needle just the right way that it isn't. And it's an excellent moment. And that's all to say that that does not happen in Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume 3. But unlike some recent MCU movies, this does feel like a real movie. This just unfortunately feels like a swing and a miss for me. Yeah. Uh, you might be more negative. I don't think I am because I was never really super positive. <laughs> what What do you not? What did you not like about the first two? I just thought, like, I never found them as charming as it seemed like they found themselves. Maybe. I, the the jokes never super landed for me. I never really felt the camaraderie necessarily. Like I just like I never found most of these characters charming. The only character I find charming is Groot. <laughs> like I don't really like anyone else. Well, okay, so the the comedy in the series did not work for you. How about the pathos? Because uh, spoilers. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is mostly pathos. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, like, works in other movies. This one, I was, like, I was moved by it. Because, like, how can you not be moved by animals being abused? And then, like, die? It was heartbreaking. I, but... I thought that was really funny. Oh, yeah, you thought that was the... I thought that was hilarious when the CGI animals were gunned down. But here's a trick. If you want to watch this movie and have a better time, imagine that all the CGI animals are actually um, representatives of the Disney live-action remakes there to uh, uh, answer for their crimes against humanity and be tortured to death. And it instantly makes everything the villain in this movie does justified <laughs> and hilarious. <laughs> wow. I did not read it as deeply. <laughs> so I was just like, I was legitimately, I mean, I don't know if I was horrified, but I was like, oh, fuck, you know, they really stepped up to the plate and presented the best of animal abuse. A PG-13, I assume? They do say fuck at one point. That was... The MCU's first F-bomb. And we, yeah. we can get, get back to that later. But... As exciting as the MCU's first sex scene in The Eternals. I mean, it felt like super cruel. And I guess maybe we can talk about whether it was necessarily needed considering the character arc that they were going for. But... Yeah, it was just like it forced you to be moved by it because it showed you something that as I feel like as a normal human, you would not be able to be immune to. And it almost felt like manipulative in many ways. And I don't think. And as someone, I think I actually enjoyed the second one more than I enjoyed the first Guardians movie. I, I think that's fair. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, it just like, it didn't really, I was not really engaged with this movie, except for just like the, the rocket arc. And I'm not sure how earned that was actually in retrospect, because it just felt like very manipulative. Well, I don't, okay. Um, 
we're we're far into spoiler territory, and I think that's just what this is going to be. Um, uh, 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 very quick <laughs> plot summary. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. This is a Rocket Raccoon movie. Um. Despite the fact that he is in a coma for sixty percent of it. Um, he is attacked by Adam Warlock, teased at the end of the last movie, um, and he is almost killed, and then it turns out they can't help him because he has a kill switch inserted in him by the people who did scientific experiments on him in his backstory, and they try to go get the, the, the key that will fix him. Meanwhile, we were, uh, we are treated to flashbacks of said scientific experiments and torture. And I think that is where the problem lies, where it ends up feeling manipulative. Like, Gunn's uh, superhero movies are filled with dark, tragic backstories, which frequently ends up working. It's played for jokes, but just enough darkness that you feel it. And he's usually very good at handling the tone. And then at the end, when we get that triumphant thing, because again, these are fucking superhero movies it's triumphant at the end it feels earned it does not feel cheesy and in this one unlike say star lord getting over the death of his mother or star lord meeting his father and discovering that his father is a terrible person um or any of the other uh you know the kind of Subtle touch that was handled with um, Star-Lord and his relationship with Yondu, the Michael Rooker character, Mm -hmm. uh, his adoptive semi-abusive father or the very abusive father that uh, of that is Thanos that um, Gamora and Nebula have to deal with in those other ones. Those feel earned, whereas from moment one, when we start having these flashbacks of Rocket with his CGI animal friends, they couldn't more clearly have like signs across their chests chest to say, we will die tragically in a couple of scenes. Yeah. So it it feels manipulative because the whole time I'm like, like literally every one of their scenes ends with the line, it's good to have friends. And it's like, oh, cool. I wonder what's going to happen to these folks. Like they might as well be like, hey, Rocket. I'm one day away from retirement. I hope everything works out for me. Well, that was literally everything they said is like the equivalent of, I am so certain I'm not going to die soon and I'm going to enjoy this new world we're going to. It's just like so telegraphed in or is that the right word? Telegraphed, yeah. Yeah. But uh, aside from that, even like so... What I gather, Rocket's uh, arc is basically uh, at the end of the movie, I guess spoilers, Star-Lord Chris Pratt decides that he's going on like his own like adventure walkabout to reunite with his granddad. And so he's leaving the Guardians like Gamora is still not back. And so like he's sort of going to take the mantle. He's going to be the leader. But like. We're supposed to learn that he has figured out that he has what it takes to become a leader through this abuse that he experienced as an animal. Or, I mean, he was always an animal, but, like, you know, as, like, he was being abused by this, of uh, the creator, or whatever it was called. But that's not, like, anything that he, his character in the movie doesn't learn any of it. This is, like, it's not even... I don't know that it's even implied that that's what he's thinking of as he's like between death. 
in life, it's like we are supposed to understand that because at some point he went through this abuse, he merits becoming this leader and also that like Chris Pratt recognized it somehow. And I just don't understand how that is supposed to be a satisfying arc. Well, I, I think they're, I think they're supposed to be on a separate arcs. I think, um, uh, I, I think the, the, the problem is there's too many characters and none of them are done justice. Like, well, he's the only one who even remotely has, but he's in a like, coma for the entire, but movie. that's the thing. That's my problem. The arc is not his in his current state. Like the arc is of like rocket from X years ago. And that's kind of what we went through. He does not go through any character growth from when we first met him, by the way, singing along to fucking an acoustic version of creep that <laughs> I wanted to scream in a movie theater. Like he like that rocket from that time and place does not actually change in any way from the beginning to an end because he's mostly in a coma. No, I think every character in this movie has an ending that is fitting, but it's fitting based on things we learned in the previous two movies, not in stuff that happens here. Right. Rocket ends up uh, uh, going back to face the man who ruined his life, but we never get the scene where he's, afraid to do that or excited to do that yeah he didn't. finds out where they are they're back at the place where he was tortured he like wakes up there and we never even see him react like where am I? no i can't be here we never see that same with um uh i love the ending that we give for drax the destroyer um i would have liked to see do him you? i hated everything about his character in this movie and not nothing against like Dave Bautista. I think he like tried his best, but like that character was so bad. Well, I think so. I, first, I'm I'm disappointed that we never got a fallout from Avengers Endgame of finding out like Drax didn't get to kill get his revenge on Thanos. He didn't get to get that. He wasn't there when Thanos died. See, like you mentioned, like stuff from lore, and this is actually movies I've seen, and I'm like, I don't well, that's, remember. That's what the, the fuck. <laughs> That's a problem. The end of this movie ends with um, Nebula saying, you're not Drax the Destroyer, you're Drax the Father. And he ends up, his story started, his family was murdered, and he's been on a revenge spree trying to kill Thanos. Thanos died between the past two movies, and now he's just flipping around. And at the end of this movie, they rescue a bunch of children, and he's going to stay behind to care for them. That's a wonderful ending for this character. But not once before that moment is Drax's dead family mentioned. No. Okay, now Star-Lord. Star-Lord ends by finally going home to see his grandfather, who we saw at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Um, mm -hmm. That's a, a recognizable actor whose name I forget in old age makeup now. But, um, yeah. but that, like... That was a thing like people online would always say, like, why doesn't Star-Lord go home? He's like a like he's got a spaceship. Why don't he just go back to Earth? He's still got family. Yeah, his mom died, but he's also, still got family. Also, he comes there. back to Earth for the Avengers. Yeah, he does. But like in this one, when they someone asks him, why have you never gone home to see his grandfather? See like your grandfather. And he goes like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like the only we get this whole speech about like, um. Uh, you should you've been jumping from 
lily pad to lily pad from woman to woman, but you've never learned to actually live your life. Fine. I, I'm not sure I ever really thought that was Star-Lord's issue, that he was a, <laughs> like, his woman, like, womanizing kept, I, like, I don't even know. I never really thought that thing. But, like, fine. That's just to justify why he doesn't end up with Gamora at the end of this movie. Which, sure, whatever. But justify why he never went home. And it doesn't need to be much. Give me something that like, that like thematically connects with like Rocket's arc of something where he's like, um, they won't want me if I go back or like something like that. So then when he goes back and his grandfather instantly recognizes him and is so happy to see him, like that moment hit me, you know, emotionally because the idea of this person, uh, this lost child returning to this old man in his 90s who probably is going to die soon and probably never in a million years expected to see his grandson who vanished and presumably died in the 80s, never saw him again. The idea that that man got to finally be reunited with his grandson, like, that makes me emotional just thinking about it now. But like, they didn't give me any reason why Starler didn't do that beforehand. Right. Also, his granddad would a thousand percent not recognize him. No, and I'm but but like but I get that. That's also, like it's a talking magic. raccoon. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but it's just like yeah, like none of the I don't even understand. Like yeah, as you said, why now for any of these characters? Why does? Drax now want like why does he care that he's like Star Lord's best friend? That's that's been there. Is and that like there was thing? also a holiday special. That stuff's been. But there. that's the thing. I have to now do homework to like go to a Guardians movie and understand like that. The only the only holiday special thing you missed was the reveal that um, Mantis is Star Lord's half sister and like whatever. Who cares? But I also heard that like the the Will Poulter character is in it too. No, he's from the he in the 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 credit scene of the second movie. Um, uh, oh, God. The, but, but, but see, like all this shit. Like, why do like make a movie that stands on its own that has a beginning, middle, and an end that people can follow? Without having to watch all of your thousand TV shows well, I don't, and specials and bullshit. I don't mind uh, the Adam Warlock character because that character was first off teased within this series and int- and only teased and then introduced as a character here. I more care that uh, he sees his mother die, the only person he seems to know, and then we don't really get a reaction to that because there's no time in Those this Those characters are so fucking underwritten. Like, there's no time. Of- but no, that that was such a waste. I was like, they get both of these actors and they just like, don't l- let them do anything until like. Well, she got to do more in the last movie. She was in the last movie? Yes. Jesus Christ. I don't remember fucking shit. Like, I don't care. Well, it was years ago. <laughs> like, it is. I truly thought she was new to this thing. I never... <laughs> like I don't. This is Elizabeth Debicki's character. Yeah, 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 like her. I don't remember Will Poulter. I also didn't remember. I knew that there was a Christmas special. I was like, is that in the special? It's just like all these people. I truly like. Why do we have to keep watching? Well, movies? I mean, the problem is in this MCU thing. We we assume that we're missing stuff, and I I gotta say, like, if you <laughs> go back, enjoy yourselves, audience. Re-listen to our 
many MCU episodes because it just keeps being number one. But like in other MCU movies, particularly recently, I've complained about how like um, fucking Black Panther, we've got to follow uh, uh, fucking Martin, Fre- Martin Freeman and Julia Louise Dreyfus teeing up TV shows from two years from now. That doesn't matter. And there isn't stuff like that here. This movie does not have the problems that other MCU uh, movies have in that this movie does have is trying to tell a movie with a beginning, middle and end. It's just unlike the other James Gunn superhero movies, it thematically just doesn't come together for me. No, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, it just feels like they don't even care anymore. I feel like at least like in the first Guardians movie, kind of felt like, yeah, like James Gunn had something to say with these characters. He has a point of view. He's having fun. Maybe I'm not having as much fun as I want to, but (laughs) I recognize like people would have fun with this. This one, it just felt like so by the numbers bullshit. Like, it was like all of it was when it wasn't emotional manipulation. It was like everyone was getting like the their emotional beats. And I guess because it's like the last of the trilogy. Mm. But none of it felt earned. I was just like, I don't care. I don't really care about any of these characters and what happens to them. I don't know. Now I feel like super shitty to say it, but truly I don't give a shit. <laughs> like I don't, I like, yeah, I just, I don't care. They need to stop making these movies. It might just be that it's almost 1am, but I, I truly <laughs> like, I need to get this off my chest. Those movies fucking suck. Like, why do we watch these movies? Why do people care about these movies? Who would watch this movie? And like, it starts with a raccoon singing along to an acoustic well, version that's of charming. Creed. Is it? Yes. It was so fucking cringe. And I like, I am the biggest Radiohead fan. And I was, I wanted to scream. It was just like, all of it is so bad. It's like, the worst version of everything. All of these movies had needle drops. Mm. We kind of discussed this, about like... Yes. Well, we can talk... So this is the... Like, you haven't liked the entire series. So you you have I no... I mean, I never hated it. I was just like, fine. What a, you you had no emotional investment with these characters. No. I, I really liked... I'm not talking about the MCU. I really liked the Guardians movies. I liked these characters. So to me... And I... I appreciate that this one is darker and I really appreciate that James Gunn has tried to make these characters develop, even though that that leads to the fact that in this movie, they're all like really sad and angry the entire film. I'm fine with that. It's the ideas aren't the problem. To me, the execution just doesn't work. And we can go to the needle drops. One of the most, the soundtracks is one of the most beloved part of this specific franchise. Right. For some, this felt like the maximal version where it's a needle drop every fucking 30 seconds. And they don't feel like the first two movies, they're a specific time and place. But in this movie, they're all over the fucking place. Sometimes they're the 90s. Sometimes they're the aughts. And I get it. He got a Zune at the end of the last movie. That was a very funny joke. So now he has many more songs to play. But still, it felt unlike it. The the things that the previous Guardians movies did with such a nice, subtle, soft touch felt like a fucking grip around my throat in this one well that's what it is it's like it there's a formula 
there's a formula to all of these at the end of the day. I feel like even like a novel thing that was Guardians of the Galaxy, like, hey, this is a funny comic book movie, you know, that was the thing. And now it's just like, well, still, like, we have to have these numbers. We have to have like these character beats and they have to like converse jokily, regardless of whether they have anything funny to say. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's all like becoming like Marvel is a fucking formula. Like there's nothing new. There's nothing inventive. It all fucking sucks. I'm sorry. I'm being terribly negative, but it's just like, it's exhausting. And I don't even watch all the stuff. Uh I don't watch the shows at all because I don't have to (laughs) unlike this. And like, I don't, I think we like artfully try avoiding certain Marvel movies. So I don't have to watch all of that. And I don't watch the ones we don't talk about. (laughs) And it's just like, it's not like, who is this fun for? Like, for whom is this surprising? For whom is this exciting? It just, I don't know. This makes me fucking depressed. No, I I get it. Like neither of us thought this movie was good. Um, but <clears throat> there is a like the way you're talking now is how I w- felt about Ant Man, Quantumania, How I felt about Black Panther two. Those movies depressed me. Yeah. To me, this one, like you say, there's a formula. You say it doesn't feel like they're trying. This does feel like everyone involved tried and wanted this to work. It just feels like the magic wasn't there. Yeah, it just felt like everything felt perfunctory. All the jokes felt perfunctory. There wasn't anything novel or surprising about this movie. How about the special effects? Because, like, okay, the last MCU movie was Quantumania, derided for uh, the special effects. And obviously, when we complain about special effects, we're not complaining about um, the visual effects artists. We're complaining about the studios that don't give them enough time or pay them enough or give them the proper direction. The problem is not the incredibly talented visual effects artists. The problem is that movie was a green screen nightmare. This movie is beautiful to look at. Yeah, it has some fun set design. I like the the fat land that Nathan Fillion lives in. Yeah, and you know weird. what? Nathan Fillion, the only good part of this movie. I love James Gunn's uh, repertory company. It's yeah. all the same actors in all his movies now. No, he, he was fine. He basically played Captain Hammer from Dr. Horrible, but he was great. I thought he was fun. But yeah, it just like when you have to do... The plot, when you have to go through the motions, the motions are obvious. The motions cannot seem like seemingly they cannot be surprising. You Mm -hmm. can have a Nathan Fillion in like, you know, your second act. Uh You can have fun, but then you have to do the beats. You have to hit the emotional beats. You have to hit like the big battle. There have to be, I guess, children in peril. There's a lot of children in peril in these movies. Okay. This is something that really bothers me. So clearly, Disney is Disney is talking about okay, we've got to uh, we've got to set up, we got to get the next generation into the MCU, and so obviously they've done the thing of like we got to replace our aging actors. So we ha- we keep introducing yeah, decrepit Chris Pratt in all of his hey, thirty nine years. He'll return, but like. <laughs> 
But like, um, we're having, we're introducing all these fucking teenage superheroes. There also is this thing that feels even more manipulative to me that multiple recent movies have involved the superheroes saving a group of children. And there feels like something so like fucking weird about Disney being like, yes, children, the superheroes love you and you love the superheroes. <laughs> like, did you see So there was a great, if anyone watches the, the YouTube channel, Defunct Land. Um, I do like that one. Great channel. Uh, he recently made a video about the origins of the Disney Channel theme, theme music. It, no matter what you think by that description, it's more interesting than you think without spoiling where that documentary goes. It's great. But there is a part where he interviews people who worked at Disney marketing and they talk about and this woman talks about how they would plan for movies years in advance. Like they used she wrote bumpers on the Disney Channel that were about um, uh, fish facts. <laughs> And they were doing, and it, ostensibly to the children watching, it's just like, here's some fun facts about the ocean. Mm-hmm. But they were doing that because two years later, they were going to release Finding Nemo. Mm. And they were getting the kids two years, like before the movie had even been announced, to already get excited about the fish. And to me, that's what it feels like where this movie and 4-4, and I think another one, has these sequences where it's like, children love the superheroes. (laughs) And it just, it weirds me out, especially because Thor 4 and this movie are (laughs) movies that didn't work. Thor 4, to be clear, to be clear, Thor 4 is a thousand times worse than this movie. I don't know. I feel like they're equally bad. No, because Thor 4 is like, that, that is it. Like, look. Maybe it's just with the benefit of time. <laughs> like Guardians 3 was really commi- trying to commit to like the dark backstories of these characters. Compare that to Thor 4's handling of Jane Foster dying of cancer. I just, maybe I just like those characters better. I just like, I didn't hate Thor 4 as much as you did, I think. But that means I just, but that again, this is not a high bar. No. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. It just, yeah, it just feels like every everything has to be, there's no spontaneity. There's no creativity. It's just, why is it happening? Like, why do people still care about these movies, John? Explain to me. Why? Like, Guardians apparently underperformed a little bit. But, like, still hordes of people want to see it. Yeah. Like, how, do they, are they not satiated? Yet? Well, there is a dip. Like, I think why they are going to need to do something to win people back. People are getting tired with it. They, they have said that they misjudged with oversaturation by having so many TV shows. They're pulling back on the TV shows. They're, they're, they're entering a period the way they've been with Star Wars for the past few years where they're like, whoops, we made a bunch of bad movies. Uh, pull back, pull back, pull back. But that's like after making almost 30 movies. Is it more yeah. than 30 now? Look, I, I, I'll say this. As much as there have been some bad MCU movies, there has not been anything connected to the MCU brand that has been as abysmal as Rise of the Skywalker. Oh, I have not seen that. Oh, uh, let's watch it right now. Oh, really yeah, yeah. No, it just, it just feels like people should revolt. 
<laughs> the people should just say enough is enough. <laughs> and like, we, we don't want this. Why do people want this? I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm in a very existential mood, but it just feels like, I don't even like, what is there to say about this movie, John? This movie is bad in all the obvious ways that you think it will be bad. It like uses the tropes that manipulatively, as we expect, it follows a pattern. It ends exactly in the way you want, you expect it to end. And then there's going to be a thousand more of it. Well, let me ask like, you this, Veronica. Oh God. Veronica, oh God. Let, me, let me ask you this. What what big budget movie are you excited to see next? I mean, nothing of Marvel. Wait, I, I do want to see Barbie. Is that what you want? Are leading? Me no, to? that's not what I was expecting. Oh, F, uh, Fast X. Yeah, but that there's been only first off. There's only been ten of them so far. Eleven Hobbs and Shaw. Well, I don't know how canon that is, but uh, like. They are still trying to do new stuff. They went to space last I, time. I I think that that I feel about that franchise similarly to how you feel about the MCU. But there's been so many more MCUs. True. True. There's been so many and like also the Fast and Furious so far has not had the pretenses that MCU has. There's no, like, phases and shit. There's just, like, a linear, for the most part, except for the Tokyo thing, story about people who like to steal things. And they increasingly steal things in more elaborate ways. And, and now, now they spies. help the government. I don't know. But see? Character development. All right. I am, I am, I'm going to clip out this, this little sample for five years from now. When we are past, like when we are past Fast Fast Ten Part Three, because this last part is a trilogy now, and we've entered the generations of Young Dom, the whatever fucking ex- terrible franchise extensions they are sure to introduce to that franchise within seconds. I don't know. Is it a trilogy, or is that you just made up? Yeah, no, they just quote leaked it. Wanky wanky joke joke. This joke. is supposed to. I thought this was the end. No, they had already said there's part one and part two. And then on the red carpet, uh, Vin Diesel leaked, a.k.a. in a very very scheduled and planned PR campaign moment, leaked that there were actually going to be three parts. I think the thing is, for me, and obviously, yes, I prefer this franchise way more than I prefer, like, comic book things. But, like... The Fast and Furious does not take itself seriously. Fast and Furious does not have like ambitions of Marvel. They're not like we are. I feel like Marvel is still like pretending that they're delivering like a genuine product to you. I don't know. <laughs> like they're like they are like yeah here experience catharsis emotional catharsis through these characters. I don't think anyone watching the Fast movies expects this or wants this all they want is like cars flipping over and going to space like this is like a totally different bar like you're watching like a silly like you're watching like a uh like a roadrunner cartoon like that's what a fast and furious movie is i i think that i think you're splitting hairs i think 
No, Dom, like, I, I mean, maybe. I Dom, just find... Dom in the last movie be like, oh, my brother we never heard of before killed my dad. But who cares? That's the point. Like, I feel like... But I feel, who cares about the stuff in this? I think there's... But I, I feel like they, like, I don't know that, like, uh, like, uh, what's his face? Uh, Dom Toretto. Or rather, like, I don't know that Vin Diesel care. Like, this is all just a vehicle for us to be experiencing cars crashing. Like, a, this is a reason. Now they have another person. Shirley Starin came. She was, uh, like... Free Larson's in this one. Yeah. You know, like, everyone is here. Everyone's Jason crashing Momoa. cars. No one, but, like... Me. I'm in the new one. Yeah, you're in it. I'm in it. We're all in it. <laughs> but, like, it's all just an excuse, a fun excuse to crash cars and do stunts. Whereas, like, the Marvel movies feel, like, way more cynical to me. Even though, yes, they're both products of Hollywood. Yes, they're both vehicles for making money. How dare you speak badly about Hollywood? You are in Hollywood right now. Get the fuck out of my city. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Car sound, car sound, (laughs) plane taking (laughs) off. Yeah, I just... Well, but also, like, if you hate the Fast and Furious movies... Sure. Like, I don't, like, I, it's not, I don't, like, I don't I enjoy hate them. them. I, I don't, well, they, they, but like, I just, I can't, I just, the level of perfunctoriness that now to me feels associated with the Marvel movies is so beyond anything mm-hmm. in the fast franchise. I feel like the fast franchise is still trying to wow you in some way. I don't know that like a Marvel, movie like is even it just it doesn't even feel like they're trying it's just like i don't know if anyone is like trying i i i disagree with that i i feel like the problem is that the priorities are not in uh the creative elements but i think at the end at the end of the day i'm i think it's great that both of these franchises exist i think the thing (laughs) no i think the problem is Nothing else is allowed to exist. Sure. Like in a world where every weekend, every weekend there were exciting movies coming out, and the fa- and like there was a top ten that looked like a top ten in the early nineties, where like you'd have adult dramas one weekend, a horror movie one week. You know, we thank God still have horror movies making money, mm-hmm. um, best genre around. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like adult movies no longer get made or get budgets. Actual just straight comedies no longer get theatrical releases. Like, that's the real bummer. Um, in a world where all those movies were still getting made, then sure. Who would give a shit that there's a tons tons of MCU movies? Uh, for the people who enjoy it, go enjoy it. The problem is, for the people who are sick of it, nothing else is getting made. Right, yes. And I think it is just, if I did not have to watch them for this... Maybe I would be way more tolerant, but it's just, it's astounding to me that this is, I'm so glad we did not watch the Super Mario movie. I feel like I would (laughs) have. That would have depressed me more. I like, I, yeah. What if I liked it? What if me never experiencing Mario was actually an asset to me enjoying the movie? I think it's this time of the year as well. Like there are, you know, look at our old, old episodes. There are like, non superhero movies that we quote like get to watch we we did well we almost did an episode of knock a uh, knock at the cabin uh but uh, you didn't see it in time i'm sorry 
No, no, that's not like who cares. <laughs> but like other things are getting getting mostly done. horror again. Thank God. Um, so I guess this is uh, this po- this podcast has <laughs> become every other episode is us either talking about horror movies or being depressed about superhero movies, or sometimes it's flash dance and it's sometimes wonderful. it's flash dance. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like. Maybe, maybe, maybe going forward, we might do more old movies when Marvel movies come up because we are maybe reaching the point where I don't know what else there is to say. But hey, maybe they'll surprise us. And the bummer is I'm saying that for a movie where, again, it didn't have the Marvel problems. It just didn't succeed at the James Gunn strengths. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's. We're all feeling it. I, I feel you. I feel you, listener. You're you're exhausted. You're exhausted. You're sitting there and you're like, you see a headline that's like, oh, the Hawkeye spinoff Echo is going to release every episode on one day, which is new for Disney+. Plus. Oh, that's exciting. You remember Echo, who was a character in the Hawkeye show that fell apart. She was, I guess, a character. Like, you feel it. We all feel it. None of us care about any of this anymore. And it's still all that's coming out. But hey. I was going to try to come up with a bright side. On the bright side, there's always suicide. Oh, Jesus. All right. Veronica, what else you've been watching? Oh, do we not give a grade? We need oh, to give fuck, a grade. right. Um, yeah, sure. Let's give a grade. All right. Three, two, one. C minus. All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Glad we're done with this. All right, John. Well. Oh, what did we? Huh. Okay. I guess since the last time we talked, I actually watched two more Oceans movies. I watched what? Oceans 13 and Oceans 8. Had you ever seen them before? Of course. Come on. I watch all of the Oceans properties uh, <laughs> in a movie theater. Uh, Oceans 13. Way worse than I remembered it. And I thought it was quite fun initially. Mm. But it actually was very smug and annoying. <laughs> uh, anyway, still better than Guardians. And then I watched Ocean's 8, exact opposite reaction. Kind of enjoyed it more. The whole heist twist falls apart like pretty badly. But otherwise, entertaining. You know? Would Sandra Bullock fuck Kate Blanchett? Those are the kinds of questions you ask yourself during an Ocean's 8 movie. And that's a good question to ask. Uh, I have read the Mad Max Fury Road oral history, the book. Oh. Uh, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, I believe. The name of it. It's wonderful. How deep do they get into Tom Hardy and Charlie Stern hating each other? They do talk about it quite a lot, and they have them on like quoted. As being I, I like, remember. I, I fucking hate it. I remember when this book came out. Yeah, yeah. So it was like it's very informative. Made me really want to go to Namibia, uh, but as a result, I rewatched Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, I counted, and I have seen it eight times in the theaters, apparently, hmm. and so that means that I probably saw it twenty times at home, uh, or like cumulatively. Still fucking holds up. What an amazing movie. If you have not seen Mad Max Fury Road, what are you doing? <laughs> Watch Mad Max Fury Road. It's the best movie ever. Uh, to you, John. <laughs> All right. Um, when we recorded our last episode, had I seen uh, Bo is Afraid yet? 
maybe. Is it before or after Flashdance in your record? So it's I guess after. it's after. It's just May 1st. I, I think I probably, if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But hey, I'm not taking up as much of your time as Bo is Afraid. Um, no, uh, Bo is Afraid. Um, I think I would have loved that movie if you cut out 40 minutes of it. I just think that tone at that length, it didn't need to be that length. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Ari, talk to your mom. <laughs> uh, Call your mother, Ari. <laughs> yeah, I, I just there's so, there's tons of stuff that I thought was great in it, and it's just everything. Every shot is ten seconds or like three seconds longer than it needs to be. Mm. Um, and I think the movie would be just as good uh, with. I'm not, you don't need to t- cut out full sequences. Just just like shorten every scene. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, we discussed this off pod. I feel like that is what he was going for, but I can also totally understand not being into it or enjoying it in maybe any way. Talk, maybe we talked about this in the episode. I'm sorry. Well, if that's the case. I'm sorry. You know what I saw for the first time? Ooh. I finally saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I don't think I've ever seen it. That was from uh, 2019. It is um, just, uh, it's, it's, you know, you know the book series. Yes. Um, it is more an adaptation of the illustrations than it is the stories mm. themselves. It does the exact same thing as the movie adaptation of Goosebumps from a few years ago in that it, it, it uh, invents a book that comes to life and makes the monsters from those stories appear in another setting. So or, the book in Goosebumps is not Goosebumps? Well, no, that one has Jack Black playing R.L. Stein and all of his books come and all of his, well, he's writing Goosebumps, but they all come to life because I I didn't see these movies. Why am I trying to explain it? No, but you said they invent a book, but Goosebumps is a book. Right. But in the world of the books, the books don't exist. Mm. Both, both of these quote unquote adaptations create the plot concept of the book existing within the story so that instead of just doing an anthology, they do this kind of faux anthology where they create this plot device of a book that comes to life and the character. And But the book is not called stories. No, I, I don't. They invent a witch who wrote it. Um, and it's just a book of it's it's. Uh, uh, Sally something scary stories book. Um, this book. I sound much more. If, let me say this. This is a movie for um, uh, like tweens. Um, and if I had seen this when I was fucking eleven or twelve, I would have absolutely loved it. If I was the target audience, I would have thought it fucking ruled. Um, as an adult, um, the 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 structure, the structure to me. Like the individual stories weren't given enough time to really come to life. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't given enough time to really explore each one because instead they're just like one scene uh, in, in the thing. But like they brought those illustrations to life. Well done. Also, for some reason, the movie takes place during Vietnam. I have what? no idea why. In Vietnam or during the Vietnam during War? During the Vietnam was, War. Okay. But like <laughs> one of the major characters is on the run from the draft. Okay. Like it's fucking hair. 
Interesting. Okay. Um, I don't know why. The books came out in the 80s, became very popular in the 90s. For some reason, this takes place in the late 60s. Wow. Okay. Sure. I. It's in vogue, maybe? I don't know. The White House plumbers is out. (laughs) I wonder Oh, no. This is 2019. I wonder if they were worried about it feeling too similar to it. Oh. And that's only if it was set in the 80s. I don't know why it's not set in modern day. I don't know. Maybe someone really liked the Vietnam War era. I guess they have uh, some needle drops. They don't play um, Fortunate Son or uh, Buffalo Soldier. Don't worry. Oh. They're, they're a little more creative than that. That's good. Good for them. But um, how about the end? The end by the doors? I don't believe they play the doors. <laughs> there is a scene where all the characters uh, uh, read um, the big toe story and then they fucking drip at, drop acid, and they fucking listen to the Doors. Whoa. Uh, Martin Sheen's there. And there's an orgy, and that's really where the it similarities. Yeah, they, they're blind drunk. They break glass, but it's actually the actor breaking glass, and he's really cutting his arm because he's so actually drunk. Whoa. But they include the footage, and all the actors are twelve. <laughs> like yep. all of these actors. When was the last time you watched Apocalypse Now? Oh God. Like college, <laughs> fair enough. Um, you know, I saw for the first time. No, the Lost Boys. Oh God, that I don't like that. Movie. Really? Why not? I don't know. It's just like I. I guess I don't like that kind of eighties aesthetic. I love the aesthetic. The aesthetic was my favorite part of it. It's just like I didn't like. I did not care about any of them. Mm. That's my. That's my vibe. Um, uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I watched it as, uh, the, uh, uh, uh with a woman I'm dating. It's her favorite movie. Well, so I'll I'm leave sorry. it at that. I'm sorry. Oh. It's a lovely movie. <laughs> um, she, she pointed out that I only gave it four stars on Letterboxd after we watched it. Oh uh, boy. That's so, it. so we'll see if I, uh, we're still dating next week. We'll see. Damn. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's what I've watched recently. Good job. Good for Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. High what's, five. High five. We can do that in person now. Uh, um, what's coming up? So our next episode will be, probably be an old movie or else we'll be forced to watch. Um, yes. I think. Fast I mean, I'm sure the audience, I mean, forced or get to. <laughs> uh, we is, did both Hobbs and Shaw and Fast 9 for the show, didn't we? Uh, yes, I believe we had. And did you suffer or did you have the best time of your life? Um, I did suffer. I did suffer. It did bother me in Hobson Shaw when the characters, neither character could ever win a fight. That, that sucked. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, Hobson Shaw is probably one of the weaker fast movies. Mm-hmm. I will agree on that. Okay, while you're looking up that, I'll, I'll kill time by talking about more why um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is a terrible <laughs> destruction of one of the greatest uh, thrill rides of all time. I'm speaking, of course, of Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, a ride that exists in um, Disneyland, Disney World, as well as some of the Asian Disney parks, although those didn't have the Twilight Zone theming. I found it. Okay. Stuff. <laughs> uh... 
So it could be The Purge, the first one. Oh, I've never seen the first one. I have never seen any of them. It could be <gasps> Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> oh my God. I recently oh, rewatched no. it. For it's synergy, so For synergy, we may have to. Cliffhanger. It's the movie about rock climbing, I believe. They're making, they're bringing that back. Oh God. Sylvester Stallone, he's done Rocky, he's done Rambo, and now he's bringing back his character from Cliffhanger. Everyone say that character's name out loud. Hank Cliff? That's it. Hank Cliff, <laughs> the Cliffhanger. Uh, and oh man, I really hope it's not this. Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi is the 83 pick. Oh, well, that's, that's a good one. I know, but that's going to break my streak of watching one Star Wars movie a decade. Because <laughs> I already watched Phantom Menace for this podcast. <laughs> so, I, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, hoping we do too fast for Furious. Well, listeners, well, wait, aren't you, how long are you traveling for? Three weeks. So this will be in three weeks. Okay. Well, um, we'll a new episode will come soon. Maybe sooner with terrible audio quality while Veronica's on vacation in South Korea. Oh, yeah. Well, the terrible audio quality, they probably have uh, better internet than us. Do they have better microphones? I mean, I'm not going to purchase a microphone. Come on. Maybe. If the hotel comes with a microphone, I'll I'll, I'll use it. I think, yeah, in in countries with better technology than America, um, yeah, every hotel room comes with a full podcast recording suite. Well, if that is the case, then you will hear some crisp Korean audio. Um, we, yeah, we got to all 56 minutes of this. I thought there, wow, we were, impressed. we were 14 minutes in and I'm like, this is going to be a 20 minute episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sorry if I've been too negative, <laughs> but that is how I feel. <laughs> all right. Well, it's also, uh, it's one fifteen here. So it's four, four fifteen from, true. you're it's still on, wait, how long have you been on the West Coast? Three days. Okay, well, you're getting there. I've been incrementally improving. Okay, well, this will help. I'm going to sleep in. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I guess we should wrap up this episode. Bye. <laughs> jump, jump. That's, doop, doop. That's a thing they say in the movie. It means friend, I believe, was the reveal at the end of the movie. Joop, Why joop would they friend. say that? Why do they keep saying that then? When you're locked in a cage. Friend, and- friend. Friend, friend. Hey, friend, friends. You know, you know how I say friend. How? Two, two. Oh wow! Oh wow! Damn! Full circle! Full circle! I'm Veronica. Two, two, two. <laughs>